Hey there, welcome to Start and Keep Going. I am Molly Cash, Certified Life Coach. I am here to help you believe in yourself. If you're not quite there yet, please know that I already believe in you. I really do. And you can get there too. Today we are talking about labels. So labels can be really helpful. And similar to labeling stuff, labeling people or experiences is one of the many ways that our brains try to make sense of this very complex world and existence that we are living in. But it's not always helpful. So first let's talk about when we have been labeled. I'm sure everyone has been labeled many times by different people in different situations, maybe even with labels that directly conflict with each other. Um, I can remember a time when I was probably 10 or 11 and I was staying at my cousin's house and my cousin was a little older than I was, about the same age though. And we went into the kitchen to get a snack and our moms were both standing in that kitchen chatting. And my aunt said about her daughter, she said, oh, she always cleans up after herself. You can't even tell she's been here because she cleans up completely. And I panicked <laughs> for a second because this had been kind of a recent um, point of contention between my mom and me at the time. <laughs> she had been getting after me recently for not cleaning up my mess especially in the kitchen. And I was terrified. I thought she was going to throw me under the bus and say, oh, isn't that nice for you? Too bad Molly can't get it figured out. But my blessed mother instead said, you know, Molly is just the same way. <laughs> and looking back, maybe she was being a little manipulative. I don't know. It worked. <laughs> I for sure wanted to be that way once she said I was that way. But I just think that experience is such a good example of what labeling does. It basically makes itself true. The second she said that I was the kind of person who always cleaned up after myself in the kitchen, I became that person. Probably not 100% at that point overnight, but I pretty much vowed to myself right then and there that I was going to be that kind of person because that's who my mom said I was and that's who I wanted to be anyway. And so manipulative or not, that labeling right there worked and it did become true. So that's an example of when a label had a positive influence on me. There are also many examples of when a label had a negative influence on me and I'm sure you could tell your own stories there. I think we're all aware of the harmful effects of labeling somebody as something negative, like stupid or incompetent, something like that. And the danger is not as much in the labeling itself, but in the person believing that label. So another good example from my mom, when I was little, my brother would tease me relentlessly 
And I remember coming to her crying and saying, he said I'm stupid or something like that. And she would just say, are you stupid? And I go, oh, well, no. She's like, all right. You got nothing to worry about then. <laughs> She'd just send me on my way. And I loved that because it gave me the power to decide if I was going to believe I was stupid or not. I didn't leave it up to my brother, who was just trying to get a rise out of me anyway. He knows I'm super smart, right? If you're listening, <laughs> he's probably not. Anyway, the problem with the label comes in if we believe it and it's not something that we want to be. Because if you believe it about yourself, that is what you will become. You are who you think you are. You are what you say you are, which I've talked about before. So I want to talk about how labels can have three kinds of effects. They can be harmful, they can be limiting, or they can be useful. I'm going to give some examples and then later I will give some tips on how to make your labels useful. So the first thing is harmful. This is pretty obvious, I think. We know what happens when somebody is labeled as stupid as a child or as a bad kid and they start getting into trouble in grade school and then if they are told they're bad enough times and they start to believe it themselves, they just step into that role and get into more and more trouble and it can sometimes spiral into pretty awful conditions if this child actually believes that he's bad. Another way that labels can be harmful is when they are positive labels, like you're so smart or you're so pretty or you are so talented in this way or whatever it is. I've heard parents say, oh, she's my organized one and he's my smart one and whatever. And these seem like nice things to say about a person, but I've seen that turn into immense pressure to always live up to that standard. Just like when my mom said I was the kind of kid who always cleaned up after myself in the kitchen, I suddenly felt all this pressure to live up to that standard. And I happened to think that was useful for me at the time, in that, at that age, when I could use a little push in that way. But if a label, even though it's positive, is applied consistently over time, it can turn into debilitating pressure to be a certain way, live a certain life, accomplish certain things. So that is how both positive and negative labels can be harmful. Now let's talk about how they can be limiting. I am the kind of person who both loves and hates personality tests. I'm always fascinated by them, but I sometimes resent them too. <laughs> I just, I'm so curious to see the way people are categorized. And I'm such a sucker for a personality test because I'm just fascinated by humans and the way that they're the same, the way that they're different, the way they can be, you know, sliced in different ways to, to group and categorize people. It's just fascinating to me. 
But when I take a personality test and I come up with a result, more often than not, my reaction is like, excuse me, you don't know me. Don't tell me what I am. Don't tell me what I'm like or what I'm destined for or good at or bad at. I, it's very off-putting whenever I get the results, most of the time. And <laughs> knowing this about myself, I've kind of stopped uh, taking personality tests. One thing I do know about my personality is that I like to have options and I don't like to be told what to do or, <laughs> or who I am or what careers I will be good at or not. I just, I want to be able to decide that for myself. And I know, you know, nobody's forcing this stuff on me. It still is interesting. But the reason I think that it irks me to get these personality test results is that I feel like it just puts you in this box. It's limiting. Like this is who you are and there's nothing you can do about it. This is your tendency and that's all there is to it. That said, I think there can be really useful information in understanding some of these systems, some of these ways people have of categorizing humans. Um, a couple of my favorites are um, The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. I can link to her book. Um, it's very interesting. But what I don't like about the book is that the way she says it, it's kind of like, yeah, you can't change. This is how you are. Nothing to be done. It's, it's helpful. She gives a lot of helpful information of how to understand yourself, how to work with your tendency instead of against it, and also with other people's. But I still just fight the notion that you can't change. <laughs> I've got to believe that you can change if you want to. Another one I like is Carol Tuttle. She calls it dressing your truth or the four energy types. And she does focus a lot on how you present yourself based on your type and what kinds of clothing and hairstyles will work for you or against you. And it's very interesting stuff. But again, <laughs> I've seen people take this concept to the extreme and just say, well, I can't wear that because I'm a type three or whatever. And I just, I don't know. I guess Gretchen Rubin would say I'm too much of a rebel to go along with that. I don't want anybody telling me what I can and can't wear based on my personality. So all of these things I think are helpful to a point. Helpful if it helps you understand yourself. But it becomes limiting the second you think that's all there is to it. That's how I will always be. Can't change. That's ridiculous. We're humans. We can change. Our brains are being rewired every day, whether we are aware of it or not. I love it when we are aware of it because then we can do it on purpose and change in the way we want to that will help us get where we want to go and achieve our goals and improve our relationships and all of those things. But like it or not, we're changing constantly. So the personality tests 
Not everybody takes personality tests as gospel. I certainly don't. But you want to be careful with things that help you understand yourself to just remember that it's not set in stone, that you are ever evolving, always capable of change. And don't let information about yourself limit you no matter how helpful it is. If it becomes a label that can't be removed, it's going to hold you back. So are labels ever helpful? I think so, for sure. I read about a study that they did in the 60s, it's a pretty well-known study, where they told elementary school teachers that the students had been tested and certain students in their class had been identified as growth spurters because they showed signs of being on the brink of a lot of development intellectually, academically over the next year. So they told these teachers this. The truth was that they picked these kids at random and they scored no differently from their peers on any testing they'd done. And this is where I always wonder about the uh, ethics of <laughs> studies they do on people where they just oh, we're going to lie to these teachers about the kids they're teaching and just see what happens. Anyway, but that's what they did in the 60s. And they tested the kids again at the end of the year. And the ones who'd been identified as these growth spurters outperformed, or sorry, outgrew their peers. They showed more improvement in IQ testing than the non-growth spurt labeled kids. And there were some variances in the results. Um, the biggest disparities were in first and second grades. Um, then it kind of leveled off a little bit and then got bigger again, I think, in fourth grade. They attributed that, I think, mainly to how younger kids are more easily influenced. And I'm sure this study became kind of a foundation for lots of similar research, but it was so interesting that just the fact that the teachers expected these kids to do well that year made it happen. And of course, the kids have something to do with it themselves, but to have somebody expect you to do well, according to this study, makes you do well. So I would say, yeah, that is helpful. The question then becomes, does it have to be somebody else? Can it just be you? Can you be the one who expects you to do well and create that self-fulfilling prophecy on your own? Absolutely. You don't need somebody else to tell you what you're capable of. You don't need somebody else to tell you that you are good that you're kind, that you're smart, that you're strong or brave or patient or generous. It's nice when somebody will do that for you, but even if they do, you have a choice of whether to believe them or not. So I think it would be a harder study to do, but if they could somehow measure the expectations these kids had for themselves, that's 
where the real magic is. Having the teacher expect it is going to influence you because you're in second grade. But you're an adult. You get to decide what other people's labels or expectations of you mean for you. If anything, you can throw them all out the window and make your own. In a lot of cases, that would be the most useful thing to do. So here are my three tips for useful labeling. First of all, choose your labels on purpose. Choose a label that's going to inspire you, that's going to maybe hold you accountable or push you out of your comfort zone. Something that will give you confidence, something that will give you peace. Choose a label on purpose that will get the result that you want. And I'm mostly talking about the labels that you put on yourself, but it's also a good idea to be intentional about the kind of labels that you put on other people, like your kids, especially, <laughs> or even just people you interact with because the label you put on them is going to affect, is going to affect the way that you interact with them, which also affects your whole experience of it. So again, that's something you want to choose for your own sake, if not for theirs. Even if it's someone you don't think you're going to have much influence over, choose the way you label them with intention for how you want to experience that person. And with kids, of course, I think you need to be really careful choosing labels. And that brings me to tip number two, which is to always remember that labels are just labels. They're made up. They're not necessarily true. If you can remember and keep in mind that these labels you've decided to put on yourself or on someone else are just labels and make that clear to kids too. You're so generous. I love that you always share your candy with your siblings. Well, what if they don't want to share their candy sometimes? And they feel like if they don't do it every single time, you won't approve of them anymore because you're, they're not living up to the label you put on them. So reminding yourself and reminding your kids, whoever else you may be influencing, that labels are just labels and they don't mean anything unless you want them to, unless you really believe them, which is a choice, then they won't have power over you without your permission. Okay. Tip number three is to make these labels removable. It's similar to tip number two in that you're recognizing what's going on here, that you're just stating something and it's not, it's just your decision, your perception, your hope. It's not the hard truth. I love the removable sticky labels because like I said, I always like to have options. I don't like to commit to anything. Even what I write on a file folder <laughs> will change so much. And so I like to have the kind of labels that you can peel off and stick again. So when you're using any labels, make them removable. Give yourself the option. And yes, if it's a label that you've chosen to believe in that's going to really serve you well, believe it hard, go all in. But you always reserve the right to strip that label off if it no longer serves you. 
or if you need to pursue something else. And that brings me to my final point, which isn't really a tip, but something that's on my mind a lot. I've seen this quote a lot on the internet, so you've probably seen it a lot too. I don't know if it's just a trend right now or if it's always been popular, but it's from a Walt Whitman poem, Song of Myself, and it just says, do I contradict myself? Very well then, I contradict myself. I am large, I contain multitudes. I guess I could turn this into a bonus fourth tip, is to give yourself lots of labels. You're not just one thing. You are a complex human being with so many variables, so many experiences, and the ability to think and think again and change what you're thinking, change what you're believing. You are not just one thing. I want to also quote Alison Faulkner, you might know from Instagram, um, The Alison Show. I will link to this IGTV if I can. I'm not sure how that works, but I just want to quote part of it. Just like the moon knows to have phases of darkness, I get phases of darkness. And the phases of the light and the expansion does not excuse my darkness. The darkness gives richness to my light. You should watch the whole video because I don't know if it's words she's actually written and that she's reading or if she's just speaking from thin air, but it's great stuff. And really along these lines of how you're more than one thing. You get to be both light and dark. And I love this thought that the dark gives the light richness. Because yes, even if you label yourself strong, you will have moments of weakness. And that doesn't take away your strength. You get to be both. On that note, I want to share a little conversation I had with my three-year-old daughter about a book that we love. It's one of my favorite picture books called Quick as a Cricket by Audrey Wood, illustrated by Don Wood. And Sarah and I read it together pretty often. And I just recorded a little chat we had about the book. Enjoy this sweet three-year-old voice. She's so cute. <laughs> It's smart, and I know those are labels, but they're fitting. So I'm here with Sarah. Sarah, say hi. Hi. Can you say your name? Sarah. So Cass. All right, and we're going to read a book. Can you guess which book, Sarah? It's one of our favorites. No, it's right over there. It's yellow. It's right there on my bed. Can you see it? What book are we going to read? Yeah. My favorite, what is it called? Quick by the Cricket. Quick by the Cricket. Okay, can you grab it? All right, this is Quick as a Cricket. <laughs> by Audrey Wood and illustrated by Don Wood. This is one of my very favorite books, huh? Mm -hmm. 
And Sarah loves it too. In this book, what's this book like, Sarah? It has so many animals. And what else does it have? It has the girl. The girl? Mm -hmm. What's her name? I don't know. It doesn't say her name. But it says she's like all the animals, right? Mm -hmm. So she's quick as a cricket. What else is she? She's as slow as me. As slow as what? A snail. Mm-hmm. And as small as what? And as big, oh, as large as? A whale. A whale. What else? What's one of your favorite pages of this book? Well, it's as shy as a shrimp. As shy as a shrimp? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as mean as a shark. As mean as a shark. You like that one too? Do you, are you as mean as a shark sometimes? I can get dressed up as a shark. <laughs> you can get dressed up as a shark. That'd be silly. Are you as shy as a shrimp sometimes too? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you are loud as a lion? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're quiet as? Clam. A clam? Uh -huh. Yeah, you can be all kinds of things, huh? Uh -huh. And at the end of the book, what does it say? It says, you got me. Yep, it says, put them all together and... You got me. Yeah, you've got me. That means we're all, we are lots of things, huh? Can you tell? Can you tell me some of the things you are? Tell me some things about you. I'm an artist, and I like to paint a lot, and, uh -huh. and I like to color. Yeah. And I like to deal with blocks. You like to what? And I like to deal with. Oh, build with blocks. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Sometimes I'm a builder. Sometimes you're a builder, and sometimes you're an artist. Uh -huh. Wait, you can be both. Yeah. And I can be Sarah Jo Cass. You can be Sarah. Yep. All of them are you, huh? Mm -hmm. What else are you? Are you strong? Uh huh. Are you? <coughs> yeah. Are you brave? <coughs> what else? Brave as a tiger? Oh, like in the book. Okay. Anything else you want to say? And one of my favorite pages in Quick by the Cricket is I'm as brave as a tiger. As brave as a tiger. Yeah, that's a good Cause one. Because I'm brave. Yes, you are. All right. Thanks for talking with me, Sarah. That girl is delightful. Well, I hope this podcast was helpful. I hope that you take a minute to think about the labels you may be putting on yourself that you might not even be aware of. Remind yourself they're just labels. They're made up. You can take them off if you want. Or you can believe in them harder than you ever have before. You can add more labels. You can be so many things. 
You have endless potential. And remember, I believe in you. Have a great week.